Welcome to Lift Up Your Hearts Podcast. This is a podcast where I do my prayer into a microphone to make sure that I pray and also so that I can show the world that having a prayer life is possible. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. You don't have to be anything special. You can be a goofball like me with some very simple tools and following a very simple guideline. I follow the the way of St. Ignatius that he taught his followers, which became the Jesuits, the Society of Jesus, and was also disseminated through Father Timothy Gallagher, who is a retreat leader for me and has written numerous books on Ignatian spirituality, and I just fell in love with it. I found it to be a way that I could pray not only every week, but every day, and there's still lots of ups and downs, and there's still times where I don't really feel anything, and if I only did it because I felt something, I probably would have quit a long time ago, but I know the real fruits of this. And they have been profound. Um, Today I was just thinking, someone was talking about someone getting older and wiser. And, you know, wisdom doesn't come accidentally. And it doesn't come just because you're older or just because you have more experience. Wisdom comes with examining your life and really looking back after that experience or after that outcome and that's what the examine prayer is, you know. The examine prayer is looking back at the day and saying, where was the Lord in this and what was really happening? Because any of us can live until we're 90 or 100 and have no wisdom at all. Because we haven't really asked what has happened, why has it happened, what's going on in my life. We just woke up and did stuff every day. And I don't want you to just wake up and do stuff and then come to the end of your life and think, man, what happened? Our hope is to live life to the fullest. And the fullest, I know, is in Christ. And to have a relationship with him means to read the scriptures and to interact with him through the scriptures. You don't have to be a biblical scholar I think having some tools, like I mentioned last week in my Christmas guide, helps. You know, this one, Food for the Soul, other study Bibles, I think are really beneficial. But I don't, they're not necessary. You may kind of miss some things, or there might be some things that don't really make sense because there's a different context that they were written in. But I think you can still use your imagination and dive into it. So... We're going to do that today. We are in the third Sunday of Advent, hence the purple lights behind me. We're in the season of Advent, which is a season of of waiting, of preparing, and really giving our lives more fully to Him. I really like Advent in that I can contemplate the life of Mary the pregnancy of Mary, the the silent life of Joseph. 
I really like reading a book about St. Joseph every year. I wish I could find it. I probably gave it away to someone, but I like contemplating their life, not only because it wasn't written about much in the scripture, but ah, it must have been amazing, you know? I mean, it must have been just amazing. So I really like contemplating that, you know, contemplating those nine months of Mary being pregnant and living, you know, with Joseph and, and how that worked and how that was and the trip to, you know, the manger, you know, how that was and the difficulties that was and all the questions she might have had in her heart. Well, how am I going to raise my Savior, you know? Um, I think it's beautiful. Today we, we're going to do a little contemplation. St. Ignatius asks us every time before we start our prayer is to contemplate with the tenderness in our heart the how the Lord looks on us with love. Again, not that he does or not if he does, but how he does. How does the Lord look at us with love? And I encourage you to use your imagination and and picture him looking at you, like actually looking at you, because he does actually look at you. He actually sees you. He sees everything, not like uh, the horrible Santa Claus songs, but in a beautiful, tender way, because he loves us more than we can imagine. And we take a moment before we pray to contemplate how he looks on us with love. Once we've done that, we're hopefully in a little bit of a different place. Maybe some of the cares of the day have gone to the back of our head a little bit, and we can start to place ourselves in the presence of our Lord, who loves us, who cares for us. And so we read the passage for the day, and today is kind of a nice little story for us to contemplate. We can be one of the characters, we can be one of the onlookers, but Ignatius asks us the first time to read it to kind of to get the scene, to see who are the players, see what's happening, and then we start to engage our imagination on what people are wearing and saying and the expressions on their face and what type of reactions are happening. And then we start to find those little nuggets that stick out to us and we relate them to the Lord and we ask them, Lord, what do you want me to know from this? What do you want me to take away from this? How can you love me and take care of me within this? So our passage today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And this is an instance where on a Sunday Gospel, especially in this season of preparing for the birth of Jesus. We're at the beginning of the gospel, but we're not getting the actual beginning or where they're talking about Jesus coming into the world. We're getting this story about John the Baptist, St. John the Baptist, and they're jumping around a little bit. You, you might notice in the lectionary sometimes that 
there's a little bit of skipping sometimes in order for the the understanding of the story to come out more fully. If we just read it kind of top to bottom, left to right, the whole thing on a, a, any given Sunday, we might get a little confused or the, the, the message of that Sunday might be a little bit jumbled. So we're skipping around here a little bit. We're reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and then we're skipping 11 verses and going 19 through 28. So this is the story of of John here, the Baptist, not the evangelist. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, Who are you? He admitted that, and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Christ. So they asked him, What are you then? Are you Elijah? He said to them, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? So we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you have to say for yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Some Pharisees also were also sent. They asked him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but there is one among you whom you do not recognize. The one who is coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Oh man, so many little so many little things stuck out to me. Uh first was so we always gonna try to understand what the author's doing here as well as the story so that we can engage our imagination properly and in the right places, you know? So a man named John was sent from God. You know, so the evangelist is acknowledging this. And he came to for testimony to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. So... John is testifying to about Jesus. He is clearly saying he's not Jesus, though. And then we get this curious interaction with the priests and the Levites. So John, you know, we have to know that John is older. He must have been preaching out in the desert for a while baptizing at the Jordan for a while because he's got a reputation. And people are asking if he is one of the forerunners of Jesus. So the the prophet Elijah, and this is where a good Bible study will come in, is it'll kind of help you understand some of these curious lines in here. Like, why are they asking him who he is? 
And so they ask him, who are you? It just seems weird. Like, don't they know who he is? I don't think there's any ambiguity, like, who his parents are. You know what I mean? They're not asking, like, you know, like the police might be like, who are you? Give me your identification or something. No, no, no. That's not what's happening. They're really asking in some ways, what is the significance of who you are? Are you one of these forerunners from the book of the prophet Isaiah? Because, I mean, they must have kind of thought he was. Is he, so they ask him, so there's there's four forerunners, okay? They ask him if he is Elijah or the prophet. And then he says he's neither of those things. Well, he's not the Christ either, okay? He's not the Christ. He's not Elijah. He's not the prophet. But he is the voice crying out in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord, Okay, so the Christ is the anointed one. Okay. Elijah is the under this understanding that Elijah, who was assumed up into the clouds, would come back before the coming of Christ. The anointed one. See it's 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 hard sometimes we say the Christ and because he is the anointed one, but the understanding would have been at the time, of course, separated from Jesus. It would have been the anointed one. Uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I, you know, I think David, King David would have been called the Christ as well. He would have been the anointed one. He was anointed. And then, are you the prophet? So, the book of the prophet Isaiah also mentioned that there would be a prophet that came before the coming of the Christ. And he says, no, I'm, I'm none of these things. I am the voice crying in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. And then we, see, we hear skipping later, but it's really kind of chronological in some ways because there's a little intermittent part. Some Pharisees were also sent. They asked him, why then do you baptize if you are not the anointed one or Elijah, or the prophet. So, um, again, they mentioned these three because he has affirmed he is the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. He's not the other three. So why are you baptizing? There must have been some understanding that they would have been a baptism of repentance before the Christ. And he's making a clarification. I baptize with water, but there is one among you. This is, this is what really caught my eye or my ear in some ways. But there is one among you whom you do not recognize. The one who is coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. Was Jesus there? Was he, or was he saying, was he among the Pharisees? There is one among you whom you do not recognize. Because Jesus isn't, you know, it's kind of weird we're reading this in Advent, but Jesus is not a baby in this story. Jesus is a grown man. So 
they would have also known who he was potentially most likely even and he's saying no 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 i don't baptize i baptize with water but there's one among you who do you do not recognize who's going to come after me whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. Again, this is where a good Bible study helps, but also I haven't found it in many Bible studies, but this was taught to me by Bishop Cousins, that Jesus being the bridegroom, this isn't a, this isn't a, an understanding that John the Baptist wasn't worthy to be a servant to like wash his feet or something. This is meaning that if the bridegroom dies or is gone, then he's going to give his sandal to the person who's going to take his place. And John the Baptist is saying, I'm not worthy even to loosen his sandal to take his place, to be the bridegroom. So this isn't an understanding of John the Baptist saying, I'm not worthy to be a servant of his even. This isn't like a humbling thing. I mean, it is a humbling thing. but So he's saying, I'm not even worthy to take his place when he leaves okay this happened in bethany across the jordan where john was baptizing so it's a beautiful opportunity to enter into this story now because there's so many other things that we've we've understood now happening jesus is maybe even there it's kind of crazy maybe man maybe there's some people there that are wondering if Jesus is the one and he's there. I don't know. It's interesting to think about that. But this is where this type of prayer can be beautiful, as we can imagine that. Like, what would it have meant to be there? Maybe even Jesus is there. John the Baptist makes reference to him, but how do we receive this when John acknowledges he is not the Christ, the the prophet or Elijah, but he is the one, he is the voice calling out in the wilderness because you have to realize it's really hard for us in some ways to to feel the longing they had for the Messiah, the Lord, the Christ. And we can, we can see this when we get into the Easter season with Simeon who has his canticle on the Gospel of Luke and says, Lord, now you let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the salvation. And it's his beautiful, oh man, I can't, I can't believe I get to see our king, our anointed one, our savior, and maybe there's a lot of mixed messages to that and they don't fully understand who Jesus is yet and and that even takes a while for his own disciples even but they are a people who have been waiting for so long i mean we think maybe advent we might even think advent is long they are a people who have been waiting for so long for a promised savior and yeah, they might have thought he was going to save them from the Roman occupation or any other government occupation. 
but he was really there to save them from their sins, and, and that's maybe something they didn't fully understand. It's something for sure they didn't fully understand because Jesus has to reiterate it later in his ministry. But, man, I can't even imagine being a people who are waiting for the Messiah. And we start to get a glimpse of what it meant for people going out into the wilderness saying hey are you uh are you the one helping are you the one preparing is the messiah coming they would have been looking and searching all over the place are you the one that we should be looking for and then to hear john the baptist say yeah i'm I'm not the the Messiah, I'm not the Christ, I'm not Elijah, I'm not the prophet, but I am the one, I am the voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And what does that mean in our own hearts for Christ to be coming? What does that mean in my own heart for to be waiting for him? Do I have that waiting? I don't know. Sometimes, man, it's it's too easy to take it for granted sometimes. Do I have a longing for him? Am I truly, am I really truly longing for him? And then when I hear that message, what does it mean to me? I can imagine being one of the people even on the seashore thinking, This, this is happening. This is the one. I mean, and then maybe there's some, oh, I don't know. It can't be John the Baptist. He seems kind of crazy. I don't know about that. I don't know if I can believe him. And the people, you know, some of the people didn't, of course, because they keep asking, well, why are, you, why are you baptizing then? Why are you doing this? And I can imagine in my own heart, just that that little like that little inkling of hope that little inkling of hope that Christ brings to save us from our wandering that little inkling of hope that Christ is to save me from my sin to save me from my own self-inflicted occupation and that inkling of hope that I hear through the witness of John the Baptist that he is the first to give us this hope he's the first to to hear it and I just kind of think of also I don't know, the priests and people in my own life who have given me that same hope, who have given me that same inkling that I don't have to be a slave to my own sins anymore and that I can be free. I think that's, uh, man, sometimes I just... 
the Lord always is surprising to me in my prayer, and I hope that you can experience the same thing. That, man, if you just kind of see how some there's so many times where I just come to prayer and I think I'm not feeling it, <laughs> I'm not feeling it today, and I don't know what's going to happen, and. I don't know, I read through this passage a couple times and I don't know if there's anything there for me today and uh, I just start to investigate it and dive into that cave and there seems to be a gem and if there isn't for you, I encourage you to to just keep putting in the work just to keep showing up because this this type of prayer certainly didn't come naturally to me or easy it's just something i've done for a long time and and i know that it's i know that it's works not just works i don't know i know that i can have a deep relationship with the lord if i just show up and i just kind of put in the work and some days it's not amazing and some days it is today i'm i'm thankful for that glimmer of hope that other people in my life provide, but also that the witness of John the Baptist is and the witness of other people is for, for me in my own life that that Christ can come in and save me from my own sins and give me new life. I hope that you can experience that as well. Share this podcast. Uh, write your comments in the uh, in the comment section. I love you. Praying for you. God bless.